This is Mayo Clinic Talks, a curated weekly podcast for physicians and healthcare providers. I'm your host, Ed Laskowski, a specialist in physical medicine and rehabilitation and sports medicine at Mayo Clinic's Rochester campus. Low back pain is one of the most common conditions that physicians will see in their practice. Studies indicate that about 80% of people by the age of 50 years old will experience some kind of low back pain in their lives. Many people seek the care of chiropractors for treatment of their symptoms, but there are also many misconceptions and assumptions regarding chiropractic treatment. Today, we're joined by Dr. Benjamin Holmes, a practicing chiropractor and one of the key members of Mayo Clinic's Spine Center to give us clarity on this topic. Thanks for joining us today, Ben. Thank you, it's a huge honor. Well, first off, can you share a little bit about your path to Mayo Clinic and the integration of chiropractic care into the Spine Center program? Are you the first chiropractor to practice at Mayo? I am. So here at Mayo Campus in Rochester, I'm the first and so far the only. We're hoping to change that in the not too distant future because it's getting busy, but yeah, it's, it's the first. What led you to Mayo? Sure. I um, practiced prior to this with a group in Wisconsin called Advocate Aurora Health. While I was there, also worked on a PhD in public health. And after completing that program, wanted to start accompanying my clinical care with research. And it just kind of serendipitously, at the same time as I finished up program, uh, Mayo Clinic started looking for a chiropractor. And what a great place, I thought, to be able to practice, to continue doing something I love but at the same time to conduct research. And it's been even better than I had expected coming here. There's a lot of opportunities for me to, to work with others as well as to, to do my own projects. And so that's kind of my own pathway. It's interesting, chiropractic as a profession and as a care option has been slowly being integrated kind of across the US in different healthcare settings. So I was with Aurora, for instance, for 11 years. There are chiropractors in the VA system across the country. There's chiropractors at Harvard and Dartmouth and, and other places as well. And for me, it's such a cool thing to see how that process happening and to see the benefit of that process in the lives of patients and to be kind of on front line of that. Uh, here at Mayo, it's been really cool to see Maybe I can explain just a moment like how the model works here. So as you mentioned, I'm part of the spine center, but I'm also part of this smaller group of spine specialists that provide support for primary care groups here at the clinic, specifically for community members. And so there are several different pods of specialists, spine and neurology and cardiology, et cetera, that are housed in the same building as most of our primary care providers and provide support when there are questions about, you know, what does this MRI finding mean? What should we do with this patient with back pain? We provide that guidance and collaboration with primary care. Uh, in instances where it's appropriate for a patient to be seen and treated by a chiropractor, then I have that opportunity to do that as well, which is really cool. So that's not the model that I came from before I got here. And it's been really interesting for me to see how great that model is. It's such a blessing, I think, to patients who receive by seeing their primary care provider, not just their expertise, which is awesome, but also the expertise of specialists who are just a page away. And then for me, 
personally, what a great opportunity to rub shoulders with some really impressive individuals who, who I can learn from and, and hopefully provide some guidance to as well, uh, you know, on a case by case basis with patients. And so that's was kind of my path here. And that's how the model works here now. Oh, that's great, Ben. Well, what are the various treatment interventions that your practice have for back pain? Can you describe some of those and how maybe they're different from physical therapists? Absolutely. Because I'm the first one here, I've had the opportunity to really interact with people who have these kinds of questions like, when do I send someone to you? Like versus PT or so, yeah, let me describe a little bit about what we do and, and maybe talk a little bit about some differences and maybe provide at least some of my own thoughts about how to send people where. It's been really cool for me to see a niche that I've been able to fill here. I didn't know coming here whether I was just going to be kind of superfluous or if I was really going to be able to provide some service that was unique and, and beneficial for patients uh, that they weren't already getting here at Mayo. And, and the latter has been true. It's been really cool to see the term that I like to kind of think of as I think about my role here in spine is chiropractic is kind of a one-stop shop. We have the training and background to be able to triage and to be able to uh, ascertain specific etiologies of different types of back pain. And, and from there, if we need to get people somewhere that's not, let's say it's not a conservative case, somebody needs surgery or some other intervention, we have the capacity to do that. If it is a conservative case, it's so great because as soon as we get everything diagnosed and figured out, like that same moment, we can start with treatment, whether it's exercise therapy, manual therapy, both. It's been fun for me to recognize how that fits within the team that's already here and, and complements services that patients were getting before I got here. As far as the differences between physical therapy and chiropractic, I've thought a lot about this. And from a, if you look at it just from a professional standpoint, there's not a huge difference. There's a ton of crossover. We both do a lot of manual therapy. There's, there's PTs that are, have gone to specialized training in spinal manipulation, for instance. There's chiropractors who've done specified training in exercise prescription and coaching. And so there's a, a ton of crossover. I think from a pragmatic standpoint, the reason I get this question from providers here is because they're wanting to know when to send somebody to me and when to send somebody to PT or both. Unfortunately, I think if you're looking at the question in that light, it's not an easy answer because every PT is, is different from a, another PT and every chiropractor is different yeah. from other chiropractors. And so you can't really say, well, in these instances, you send someone to a chiropractor. In these instances, you send someone to a PT you kind of have to know the chiropractor and you kind of have to know the PTs and that takes homework <laughs> and it takes time and, it, and patience. But like, I think a lot of things in life, when you take the time to kind of explore a little bit and get to know people, then you have the capacity to really make things effective. And in this case, really provide effective clinical care for patients. So my recommendation is to get to know chiropractors. If you have a chiropractor in the clinical setting where you work, or in the community where you work, get to know those chiropractors who specializes in exercises. Are they good at it? <laughs> Do they give the right patients the right exercises at the right time? Which PTs specialize in spinal manipulation? Are they good at it? And knowing who does what is huge. And, and for me, from my perspective, that was a question I had coming in both to Aurora and here. Like, how am I going to fit in with the PTs? Are we going to kind of bump heads? Are we going to like work together? Like, how's this going to work? 
I found that it's the same exact thing. I just need to know the PTs and I need to know who has what strengths and they need to know what strengths I have. Mm-hmm. And as we do that, we can coordinate with each other and get the right patient to the right person at the right time. But it, it really comes down to knowing people. Right, right. And Ben, one of the tools that you know physicians may hear their patients say, well, yeah, doc, my chiropractor gave me an adjustment. <laughs> and so the, the terminology is different than a lot of the manual therapy of chiropractic. Some physicians may wonder what actually is physically taking place during an adjustment? What is an adjustment? Yeah, that's a great answer. And one that I've definitely been getting as well as I came, I've come here. Uh, an adjustment is a pretty nebulous term. <laughs> so let me kind of as I mentioned earlier, chiropractors will, we're kind of famous for adjustments. That's how the profession kind of started. A lot of clinicians may already know this, but chiropractic started in the late 1800s as kind of a, the adjustment was kind of a panacea, to be honest. There was this idea that spines would kind of go out of alignment because of trauma or other problems. And so the chiropractor's role was to put the spine back into alignment. With the benefit of research, we've evolved as a profession and are recognizing better terminology and a clearer idea of what happens in the spine and what we can do to help people with spinal problems. But that's kind of how it started. And so an adjustment was essentially this idea that if I thrust the spine in a certain way, that I could almost push a vertebral segment back to where it was supposed to be. And we now know that's not really what happens. What we use now under the term adjustment is a broad spectrum of manual therapies, which can include the classic high velocity, low amplitude thrust to the spine that chiropractic was kind of built on. And that is indicated in a lot of types of nonspecific low back pain. It can be really beneficial at both restoring mobility to hypomobile motion segments, as well as to just alleviating pain. And there's some research that's come out fairly recently that talked about the role of spinal manipulation in limiting central sensitization process. Mm. So that's how a, like a high velocity, low amplitude thrust can be utilized. There are lots of contraindications to that as well, though. There are, let's say the patient has a surgical fixation. Not a good idea to thrust there. <laughs> or let's say that the patient yes. has a low bone mineral density or, you know, a, or a radiculopathy, or there's a lot of other reasons that Thrust manipulation is not a good idea. In those settings, I like to help clinicians here recognize that chiropractic does not equal HBLA thrust. Those aren't synonymous terms. Mm-hmm. Chiropractic is a much broader term that certainly involves HBLA thrust, but can also involve non-thrust techniques or soft tissue techniques or myofascial release or assistive stretching, as well as exercise prescription and coaching. And so that's kind of what an adjustment has been known to be. But again, a a chiropractor today may talk about an adjustment in very fluid terms as far as whether it's thrust, non-thrust, soft tissue, joint, whatever. It's it's basically trying to restore motion and alleviate pain manually. That's a great explanation and clarification, Ben. Thank you. What do you feel are the most effective conditions that can be treated with chiropractic care? What do you like to see and how should our physicians know when to refer to a chiropractor? Yeah, great question. Basically, I would say just mechanical. (laughs) So there's mechanical and non-mechanical back pain and and obviously non-mechanical back pain, not a good fit for a chiropractor. But for a chiropractor, particularly one who's been trained in both manual and exercise therapies, 
lots of different kinds of mechanical back pain types are appropriate, whether it's discogenic or facetogenic, myofascial. Those are three big ones, obviously, that we see a lot. Uh, SI joint mediated, like that's a huge one as well. And those each require a different type of approach, but chiropractors can provide that variety of approaches for those types of conditions. As far as knowing when to refer a back pain patient to a chiropractor, I might just refer those who are listening to uh, this really great series that was published in 2018 in The Lancet on back pain. It's, to my knowledge, the most current, thorough repository of best practice guidelines. And in it, they do a really good job of simplifying as much as possible what's really a complex issue, which is back pain. We're realizing more and more that besides the mechanical aspects of it, there are significant psychosocial aspects of back pain. And so the, the authors of this series do a really good job of going into and talking about how we address these different aspects. They kind of separate back pain into acute and chronic. So basically zero to six weeks and then six plus weeks since onset. And then subdivide into what they would recommend as first line approaches to treatment and second line approaches. In the acute phase, the best recommendations they can give for a first line approach are really simple. It's patient encouragement, it's patient education, and advising the patient to remain active. That reassurance is a huge piece of helping the patient with back pain, particularly acute low back pain, to heal. And so those are kind of the first line. When those aren't cutting it, which sometimes that happens, then a second line approach is spinal manipulation. And so that's a recommendation given in that, in that series. And there are several other approaches that are, are recommended in this in the series. From a chronic standpoint, a first line is, is exercise prescription and coaching. Also, when it becomes chronic is typically when we start looking a little bit more at kind of explicitly addressing any of the psychosocial components. Cognitive behavioral therapy is, is supported in the literature as a method of addressing that and some of those issues. And so anyway, I, again, I would just refer interested individuals to that series, a lot of great information. But as far as knowing when to refer for chiropractic, either acute second line or chronic first or second line, are appropriate times to refer. And even in acute first line, chiropractors can provide, and that's something I definitely try to do with each of my patients is go into the anatomy of why their back hurts and why activity is like such an important part of them getting better. And I think having that education coupled with reassurance is huge in helping patients to kind of have the courage to keep moving and then get better. Right, thank you. Well, Ben, you mentioned a couple contraindications to chiropractic intervention. Are there any other things that shouldn't be referred? Like say, how about acute radiculopathy? Is that a, would that be something that some manual techniques might benefit or is that something we should stay away from? Again, from a chiropractic standpoint versus a spinal manipulation standpoint, something like radiculopathy is appropriately referred to a chiropractor. From a spinal manipulation standpoint, not appropriate. <laughs> and so that also comes to knowing your chiropractor yeah there's because some chiropractors that's all they do is manipulate and so if that's the kind of chiropractor that you're working with probably not a good idea to send us a, a uh, an acute radic to that patient to that chiropractor if on the other hand the chiropractor utilizes let's say directional preference based techniques in exercise prescription so like mckenzie's therapy type techniques 
an exercise prescription, then for sure a radicular patient is great. And I just kind of going back to this idea that chiropractors are also trained to triage and to coordinate care. There's radicular cases, of course, that are just beyond conservative care. Maybe they've got a rapidly progressive neuromotor problem. And we're concerned about, are they going to get this strength back if we just take a conservative route here? Or of course, cardioquine. I mean, there's a lot of reasons that the chiropractors, the right chiropractor can definitely help get the patients where they need to be. That's one thing I've loved about being here is because of the team approach here at Mayo Clinic, we can get people on surgical schedules usually within a day or two if it's a really like significant thing. And there's a chiropractor who has that kind of connectivity with other specialties. Those are totally appropriate patients to send. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We're just talking about spinal manipulation, then no, radiculopathy is not something that should be manipulated. We talked about post-surgical fixation, obviously aortic aneurysms or anything kind of organic that's referring to you know back pain, not yeah. appropriate. Mm-hmm. One thing too that I don't, I don't think gets enough press, but I think it should get more than it does, is that joint hypermobility. I think sometimes as a cause of back pain is manipulated and it shouldn't be. <laughs> Hypermobility means that the joint is already moving too much. And so manipulating that joint to get it to move more is another, what I would say, contraindication. That's nothing that's as published as like radiculopathy or cardiac equinus syndrome as like hard stops for spinal manipulation. But just in my personal experience, that's another condition that I think doesn't get enough press where spinal manipulation is not the right idea. Stabilization approaches are much better in that situation. So, Great points. Thank you so much. Well, Ben, one of the things you mentioned was the spectrum of chiropractic practitioners. How do our physicians find a chiropractor whose clinical care model fits best with the current best practice guidelines for back pain? How do we get our patients to those individuals? Yeah. I love that question too. I think it's a really, really important question. Chiropractic from a a nice theoretical standpoint, like we've just been talking about is so great because it can provide this one-stop shop. You can get triage. You can start with your treatment like on site right at that moment, like a lot of great things. But if you get a chiropractor that doesn't fit that model, (laughs) it's not a good, not a good thing. And I do want to be really cautious here that I want to emphasize that In addressing this question, I'm not trying to separate the sheep from the goats, (laughs) like the the good chiropractors and the bad chiropractors, not that at all. I would say this question really comes, and it's the way the question was phrased was really good. It comes down to really who fits. So which kinds of chiropractors practice that best practice concordant care? As I describe some things that I've just kind of experienced and learned over my own practice of 16 years, I want to emphasize that it's not good versus bad. These are just, you know, chiropractors that will probably fit really nicely with the medical model that probably most of the physicians that are listening to this practice and ones that maybe don't. (laughs) And they may be good for other reasons, but maybe not a good fit for this. What I would say, this is completely anecdotal. It's just my experience. What I would say, number one, is if you can let somebody else do the vetting, that's very efficient. We talked earlier about how more and more healthcare organizations are bringing chiropractors in to provide chiropractic care within their groups. So Mayo Clinic here, for instance, or Aurora Healthcare or other places. Usually those groups have done quite a bit of vetting. Yes. They've kind of figured out, okay, 
these are the types of chiropractors that we want to pull in and integrate into our setting. Mm -hmm. And they have done extensive interviews and et cetera, to really know that this is going to be a good fit. Probably those are ones that you can trust are going to fit with your own medical model of managing back pain. Again, this clinical best practice guideline concordant Mm -hmm. management. Unfortunately, not every healthcare organization has a chiropractor. And so sometimes, or they do, and it's just really hard to get in (laughs) because they're so busy. In that situation, going to more of a community chiropractor can be really, really good. It's just hard because you don't have that natural vetting that's already happened. In that situation, a lot of times your colleagues are great people to ask. They may actually be seeing a chiropractor themselves. I see a number of different medical professionals here as patients, or they maybe have had patients who've had a lot of success for mechanical low back pain from a certain chiropractor in the community. So Mm -hmm. that's another kind of way to let somebody else do the vetting is they may, you may have people, colleagues that have already found chiropractors that, that work really well within the model. In the absence of that, there's the old adage that ye shall know them by their fruits. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I would say that's pretty applicable to this. And I might just give you some of my own thoughts on fruits to avoid, like yellow flags kind of. Sure. Um, And anything that kind of deviates from the uh, best practice guidelines, be careful of. So I think a great example that a lot of chiropractors who don't practice concordantly is they take a lot of x-rays. In early chiropractic, again, it was all about looking at, quote unquote, the alignment of the spine and then trying to unquote, adjust the spine to get it back into alignment. And so that became a tradition in early chiropractic care that every single patient that crosses the threshold gets an x-ray so they can figure out how to adjust this patient. But that's not supported at all. In fact, the recommendations now are that there's no imaging unless there's any kind of red flag for at least six weeks after somebody's developed back pain. Yes. Mm-hmm. So if there's a chiropractor who's taken x-rays of every patient crossing the threshold, that chiropractor may not fit the model that you're looking for. So that's a yellow flag. Another yellow flag to look at is the use of passive modalities. Both chiros and PTs historically have used a lot of e-stim, ultrasound, things like that. Going by what the Lancet has recommended, that's not a good way to treat mechanical back pain. Right. So if there's a chiropractor in your community that every patient that comes in gets e-stimmed, maybe not a best fit for the model that, that you espouse. Just a few others, aggressive advertising or uh, mm-hmm. pay- prepayment plans. Yes. And that kind of presupposes that the chiropractor knows exactly what that patient's going to need for the next year. <laughs> and some chiropractors, I think, do believe that that's the case, that this patient needs to keep their spine aligned. And so we need to keep them coming back. You know, obviously there's concerns about, is this really for the patient or is this more for the chiropractor and for their pocketbook? But I think there's really honest, good chiropractors who honestly believe that a patient needs to have their spine manipulated regularly in order to maintain health without any nefarious kind of agendas, self-serving agendas. And so, but that doesn't fit with what we now know to be the best way to manage back pain. And so that might be a really nice and good and and honest and ethical chiropractor who just doesn't fit the model. So those things I watch out for. 
I think you're, and even in physical therapy, you know, we can have a lot of therapists who do a lot of passive modalities, but as you said, yeah. you know, exercise is medicine, motion is lotion. So, <laughs> lotion, yes. so we, we, and really our knowledge in the research domain about how to treat this has changed over the years. So some of the older practitioners may favor more passive modalities and, mm -hmm. but really that active modality and that, that active exercise intervention is so key. So key. Absolutely key. Ben, it's been just a, a delight. You've, you've provided so many um, clarifications and just really insights into the chiropractic practice. Anything else that you would like to share that we haven't touched on yet? Maybe just one last thing, which is just kind of a, a PS on the end of finding the right chiropractor. Mm -hmm. One that I think is really important is to look at their appointment times, hmm. like how long the appointments last. Okay. As I mentioned before, at least from a first line acute low back pain management recommendation, it's educating the patient, reassuring the patient. That takes time. So if there's a chiropractor in your community who's doing five minute appointments with patients, that's probably not sufficient time to really listen to the patient, to understand their experience of pain, to be able to address that verbally through education, dialogue, like that takes time. And so mm -hmm. for me, when I'm looking at chiropractors, I have patients, for instance, who aren't from here and they're going back home and they're wanting to know who can I see? Who's a chiropractor? That's one of my favorite things to have them ask is how long are appointment times? Mm -hmm. If it's five minutes, then it's probably not a good fit. If it's a 30 minute visit where you have the opportunity to really dialogue as well as to get some manual therapy if it's indicated and exercise therapy, that's, I think, a huge indicator of a good fit is if the chiropractor is taking the time that they need to do those things that have been supported in the literature. I think it's a great point. Many of my patients share that uh, they value their relationship with their chiropractor for just that reason. They, they take time to listen. There's actually a hands-on application as well and, and the touch and, and just there's a lot of relational aspects that contribute to healing as well. So absolutely. Ben, it's been an absolute delight and uh, just uh, some great, great education, great information that you've provided. We've been talking about chiropractic spine care with Dr. Benjamin Holmes. Thank you so much for your time, Ben. If you've enjoyed Mayo Clinic Talks podcast, please follow us. Stay healthy and see you next week.